This is February 12th, 2020. It is upon us. We're in the second month already. Opening up with Seek and Destroy as always. This is your host, Ian Hamilton Trottier. Uh, broadcasting uh, remotely into uh, now. Um, we be streaming um, through Windwood Radio Podcast shortly. Uh, making a transition from Windward Radio into Windward uh, Studio there in Windward uh, discussions into podcast or radio. Um, at some point, but what, what we have done is we have gone and gone ahead and set up Stop Mass Media, uh, stopmassmedia.com. So you can now listen to discussions of truth uh, Wednesdays, uh, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard at stopmassmedia.com. There is also a link uh, to the program uh, Listen Alive link where uh, at iantrache.com where you uh, can stop stopmassmedia.com um, You can find all, well not all, but a select uh, previous uh, broadcasts uh, from various guests or streaming uh, around the clock. So at iantrotier, I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R, iantrotier.com, you can find uh, a list of all the guests. We're now in our fourth season to discuss your truth. Um, you can find a, a list of all previous guests um, and uh, related episodes uh, with, with all the guests. That's uh, John Potash, um, uh, Jordan Maxwell... Um, Courtney Cottrell, Jim Breslow, um, Jim DeRogatis, uh, and, and so on. Going back to David Icke, um, Charlotte Eiser, but, uh, again, three, three years of archives. We're on our fourth season here. Discussions of truth. Um, what we have streaming now around the clock outside of Wednesdays at 5 o'clock are a selection of uh, of, of guests, Toronto Burke, uh, the um, Me Too movement, founder of the YouTube movement. Uh, Me Too movement is, uh, is, is one, of the, one of the streams that you can hear. Um, Cynthia McKinney, six-term uh, congresswoman um, out of Georgia, is another stream. So there are a selection of William Engdahl's and F. William Engdahl, um, Edward Griffin. There's a select number of streams that you can constantly listen to. And that will evolve. Whereas what you well, well, what you can do is you can go to the radio tab under ianchatchay.com, and you can simply mm-hmm. click and scroll down and find uh, a, a link of a, a listener th- to listen to the episode that you that, uh, that you, you uh, can enjoy. That you might uh, have interest in. Of course, all of them are highly recommended. Next week, uh, Bandy Lee coming uh, coming uh, your way. Uh, she is the author of. Let me get to this. Uh, a Curious Case of Donald Trump, I believe, is the, the, the title of the book. Uh, a Dangerous Case, uh, rather. A Dangerous Case of, uh, of Donald Trump. Um, she'll be joining the program next week. Uh, get to this and, and read this for you. Uh, Bandy Lee, author of New York Times bestselling book. The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump is a leading violence expert and forensic psychiatrist. Of course, we, as we know, uh, a number of days ago now, uh, the impeachment... Uh, process for Donald Trump uh, was unsuccessful in that, in, in that regard. Uh, uh, Trump was uh, not impeached. Um, 
Dr. Lee's case as the president of the World Health Coalition is that uh, is that he uh, he's he's mentally too uh, unstable and violent. His tendencies are too violent, in a sense, um, to uh, be occupying that office. Uh, okay, this is this is her, her take. We are speaking out at this time because we are convinced that as the time of possible impeachment approaches, Donald Trump has the real potential to become ever more dangerous, a threat to the safety of our nation, she writes. Uh, she's quoted in Business Insider as saying that. She's a native of Bronx, New York. She's an MD from Yale um, in medicine and, chief, and chief, resident, chief resident at Massachusetts General. She's the former director of research for the study of violence Harvard Penn, UPenn, that is, uh, NYU, and Yale co-founded the Violence and Study Group at Yale University, McMillan Center for International Studies. She earned her Master's of Davidian Studies from Yale Divinity School in 1995. So uh, incredibly well-educated, and she'll be bringing her view um, regarding Donald Trump uh, to the program next week. Tom Hartman will be following her. That's how we'll, we'll, end, we'll round out the month of uh, February with uh, Tom Hartman, who will be rejoining the program. Uh, he joined uh, once before. This will be his second. Uh, this will be his second uh, 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 time joining the program. Uh, there is an issue here uh, with, this, with the microphone, I do believe. So if this is coming in faint, uh, I do apologize. Um, let's see here. Tweak that. Okay. Anyway, so um, it was starting off, uh, starting off March with uh, former CIA uh, agent uh, Kevin Shipp. Uh, so that will be that'll be the slate here in the next uh, next few weeks, and we are completely booked. April this year. It is now on 
available. Amazon, uh, you can get it online through in, in Australia, Dan Denmark, England, uh, Canada. Uh, there are a number of online retailers that are now pre-selling uh, pre uh, Freedom Reserved, No More Lies. And that is my publication coming out April uh, through Trine Day. Publisher Daniel Esselin, former uh, former guest on this program, he's he's sold millions of copies of his books worldwide, uh, and he uh, he ha offers uh, a couple of his uh, books through Trine Day as well. Okay, uh, and in fact, there are a number of guests uh, that do offer uh, their publications through Trine Day. So looking forward to that. April 20, 2020, bringing on our first guest, Kevin Ed, the threat him into the program. Kevin, are you there? Can you hear? Yes, I am. Hi. Welcome to the Discussion Truth. This is, uh, this is the host. I am your host, Ian Trottier. I, uh, I thank you for joining the program. You're traveling at the moment, but uh, for listeners to understand a little more about you, uh, Kevin, you are based in Canada, is that correct? That's right. On the West Coast, actually. On the West Coast, you said British Columbia. So, uh, Kevin, uh, you've, you've written, you, you, well, you've been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize, it looks like, from what, what, what I've read, um, twice, in fact, and you have founded an organization called the International Tribunal of Crimes of Church and State. Uh, Murder by Decree is, uh, I'm not sure what, how many publications you've got out there, how many books you've got out there, but uh, that is certainly the one that has grabbed my eye and caused me to... Uh, to invite you on to program um, for listeners to understand a little bit more about this uh, there is a uh, there is a crime of genocide that you have uncovered um, in Canada um, and it is still happening is that correct that's right it's uh, began in you know many ways very similar to the United States where um, as part of the whole wave of, of forcing native people off their land and into reservations, there were what were called Indian schools set up, Indian residential schools, and uh, ostensibly they were to, quote, educate the savage, and uh, that was the official reason. In fact, what they were were internment camps where over half the children died, and you find the same death rate on both sides of the border. It was about 50% or more. Now, that's a death rate higher than the black death in Europe, uh, than the slave trade. It's an enormous rate, and it went on for many decades, which suggests right there that it wasn't just random deaths from disease or something. It was intentional. And over the years, I was able to prove that because I was a clergyman on the West Coast. I began to work among Indians, and I found firsthand on the ground the hard evidence of this, not only in people's stories, but in documents I found later. So it's been a long struggle over 25 years to bring this out, but it's all been basically, uh, well, in general, it's been acknowledged. The Prime Minister Trudeau of Canada on June 4th, um, last year said, admitted that genocide had happened, and yet there doesn't seem to be any consequence. No one's gone to jail. The only work that's been done on this is the movement that we began to try to bring to justice the people responsible. Uh, well, Kevin, uh, this, this is just mind-blowing, I think, on, on many levels, because I think that by, we, we, you know, it, it certainly in, in the United States, uh, this is something that we... I, I, 
maybe uh, maybe I'm a bit naive, but this is something that we uh, we don't necessarily think is still happening. Um, it, what what is it? What are the elements that caused you to uncover this uh, a few decades ago? How did you find out about this? Well, I do want to talk about how it's carrying on. It's very important, uh, but in terms of the history. Uh, I arrived in a place called Port Alberni, that's on Vancouver Island, right on the west coast of Canada. It's a lumber town. Uh, I got there with my young family in the summer of 1992. I had been ordained in the United Church of Canada as a, as a clergyman, um, and that's the largest Protestant church in Canada. And I got to the congregation, I was asked to build up their church, because they were down to only 10 people on Sunday, and they wanted to bring in new blood. Uh, so I set out to do that. Within six months, we had the church full. Uh, but ha about a third of the population is Aboriginal. And I made a point of going out to the reservation, and there was a lot of poverty. We opened a food bank, and I uh, began to get to know the local Native people. Well, I'm tell you, the very first Native home I went into, I heard a story. Uh, I asked this man, his name was Danny Gus, he was a fisherman, and I said, Danny, I noticed that uh, there aren't any Indians sitting in any of the churches. There's a real kind of divide, racial divide between white and native. They don't mix. You know, why is that? And he didn't say anything for a while, and finally he, he said to me, kind of in a very subdued tone, they killed my best friend in their Indian school. He's buried in the hell out back. That happened to a lot of kids, and the whites don't want us in their churches. Right. So, very first story I heard, they're talking about deaths. I heard a lot of those same stories. Eventually, it was confirmed uh, with a lot of eyewitnesses. We had eventually held a tribunal, documented this in the book you mentioned, murderbydecree.com. And, um, you know, one thing led to another, but eventually the church threw me out because I was challenging them too much on this. I was an advisor in the first legal case brought against these churches for these crimes. Um, there, you know, so it's been a whole long history, but it's undeniable now, um, you know, that, that this stuff went on. And, uh, uh, okay, so Kevin, um, what is, you've taken this to the United Nations, have we, we attempted to go, uh, and by we I meant a, a movement started. After I was fired by the United Church, I was working with a lot of survivors of these Indian residential schools, because I had done a lot of community and street ministry in Vancouver, where there are a lot of homeless Indians and others, and I began to get, hear these things on the ground. And we started a whole campaign across Canada to bring out these facts. We started holding protests, uh, teach-ins. We invited the United Nations to come in in June of 1998. We actually held a tribunal in Vancouver, where a United Nations group called IRAM came in, they brought in 20 observers, and after three days of listening to testimony and looking at documents, they recommended to the United Nations that they hold an inquiry into crimes against humanity in Canada, because they were hearing stories not only of murder of children, but medical experimentation, sterilization programs, where if you were a young kid in an Indian school and you spoke your own language and you didn't go to church, you were sterilized. You weren't allowed to breed. Uh, they used x-rays, sectomies, things like that. The kind of things you hear about, like Nazi Germany, the same methods being used on Indians. And that's one of the things to find is genocide when you're trying to prevent a group from breeding. Definitely under the UN Convention on Genocide, that's what it is. So all of the things that that convention lists as genocide, we proved were going on in Indian schools, but the UN refused to act because the Canadian government intervened and made sure there wouldn't be any inquiry. So it was that constant uphill battle over many years. We eventually had to go to Europe and set up a common law court trial in uh, Brussels. 
that eventually brought this stuff out in the court there, and it actually helped force uh, Pope Benedict to resign from his office, along with three other top officials of the Catholic Church, because they were very involved in, in not only doing these crimes, but covering them up as well. So, Kevin, that's, 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 that's pretty, that was a major international issue when Benedict was resigned, and, and you're saying that your movement with ITCCS, the organization you founded, is the reason why he resigned. It's it's a main, one of the main factors. There are other things going on, of course, but uh, in a in a nutshell, what happened was in 2012 we convened a common court trial based on a lot of the evidence I brought out of Canada and and around Europe. People coming forward to show, in terms of this ongoing crime, the Catholic Church especially were still involved in a big way in trafficking children, uh, even in the deaths of children, and we had had it documented very well. Uh, Pope Benedict was one of 30 people summoned to appear before the court. He never did. Those other defendants included Queen, uh, Queen Elizabeth, the Prime Minister Canada, Stephen Harper, uh, a lot of officials of church and state. They all ignored the summons, um, but the court went ahead anyway. They proved conclusively that these people were guilty of, of these crimes and concealing the crimes. And what happened five days before, before Pope Benedict resigned, it was seven years ago yesterday, on February the 11th, 2013. Five days before that, the uh, Spanish ambassador to the Vatican, a guy called um, Eduardo uh, Gutierrez de Beruga, he sent a diplomatic note to the Pope, uh, to the Vatican Secretary of State uh, and the Pope, that said that if Benedict came to Spain, he might face arrest because of the information that's seen in our docket of, of information, of evidence. And uh, five days later, Benedict resigns. It's the first time that it happened that way in, in Vatican history. And so did the Secretary of State. Two other top cardinals who were named in our indictment all stepped down because they knew this stuff was coming out. And um, it's certainly no coincidence. This certainly predates uh, Benedict's uh, 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 time at, at the Vatican. Uh, why was it that uh, why was it that that uh, that Benedict was hit and, and resigned? Uh, was that just because of uh, you had taken it to Brussels and you you were building the momentum? Well, it was two reasons really. Uh, first of all, he's the head CEO of the Catholic Church. <laughs> the buck stops with him legally, and. Um, over the years, the Catholic Church had been the main force setting up these Indian schools, whether it's in Canada or America. About two-thirds of these Indian schools were actually set up by the Catholics. And uh, so he had a fiduciary responsibility for all of those crimes at the time that we started the case, which is during his reign in, uh, in 2012. But another reason was that he was personally implicated. Um, he had been involved at a young age in something called uh, the Knights of Darkness when he was in the Hitler Youth. And uh, this, that's, that, that network uh, operating within the S had actually been trafficking and murdering people in the death camps uh, under cover of war. And we've had survivors of this, people who knew uh, Ratzinger, Joseph Ratzinger, his name, Pope Benedict's name, um, who had hard evidence that he was involved in this, he was still covering it up. And he had actually been sending out letters to all the bishops around the world, ordering them to conceal the, the whole system of child trafficking operates in a big way in the Catholic Church. So, um, you yeah, know, he was personally implicated as well. Now, uh, Kevin, what is the Holyrood Agreement? Well, that's the, when, uh, in, in uh, the summer of 2010, Pope Benedict went to London, England, and uh, at, at part of that visit, it was the first uh, papal visit, I think, in 
Um, I think ever. I don't know if a pope had ever gone to England. But um, anyway, he was invited up to Holyrood Castle, which is the Queen's residence in, in Edinburgh, Scotland. And they were behind closed doors for two days. It was announced after that that the uh, the Anglican Church in England was, was negotiating with the Church of Rome about re-entering. Um, now, the very fact the Queen did that, it was a violation of her coronation oath to defend the Protestant faith. And uh, it really was grounds for her to step down at that point. But what the Hollywood Agreement did was it laid the basis for the Anglicans to rejoin the Catholic Church and also adopt their policy regarding child abuse, a thing called crimen solicitanus. It's, in Latin, it means the crown of solicitation. It's a, it's a policy governing child rape in the Catholic Church. It's been in place and binding on every Catholic since 1929 and basically says that when children are raped, the police are not to be told the whole thing is to be covered up, and anyone who talks about it is excommunicated, right? So it's, it's really a criminal conspiracy to protect child rape within the church and uh, save itself a lot of lawsuits. And so now the Anglicans are formally part of that policy, and that's, like I say, a criminal conspiracy. So it's very important in terms of, um, you know, seeing that this is like a, an international criminal <laughs> conspiracy going on. We've got, we've got two separate issues, if, 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 if I understand this correctly. We've got uh, sterilization of these, uh, the youth, and then there's also the child trafficking and raping going on. Uh, is that correct? There's, there's multiple things happening. There is on many levels, but there's 43 actual criminal charges against these churches, not just the Catholic Church, but the United Church, the Church of England, uh, for doing these these different crimes. Uh, sterilization was one of the more definitive things proving genocide, that we intend to wipe out these people. Now, it wasn't all Indians. It's just Indians who wouldn't give up their land and convert and become Christian. If you, if you held on to your beliefs and stayed on the land, you were targeted. And, uh, of course, that's been Catholic doctrine that it's still in place. If you're not a Catholic, it's believed formally still that you don't have a soul, and uh, if you don't convert, you're fair game. And that was the policy of the Catholic Church all over. I remember uh, the present Pope, uh, Francis, he was uh, in the U.S. in 2017, and he uh, beatified, which is to make a saint, out of this guy called Junipero Serra, who was a Franciscan missionary in California. Serra had personally enslaved and worked to death over 100,000 Indians on these Franciscan plantations. And yet he, uh, Bergoglio, uh, Pope Francis says, we're inspired by his zeal. You know, so the idea, it, it never changes, this idea that people who aren't in our faith aren't, we, we don't have to treat them like human beings. And that's really, that attitude is responsible for a lot of these genocidal practices. It's, uh, it's what, uh, it, it, it's almost what the, the Israeli religion uh Judaism we refer to as uh, go, the, the golem, right? The golem. The golem are the, uh, the, the, right. the, the, the are useless, in a sense. Um, is, and so this is, still, this is still happening. Kevin, uh, have, there been, have you found any evidence that the Queen of England uh, approved of this? That's, just, that's a harsh statement there, but um, did she know this was happening? before? He, she does now, it seems like. Uh, but uh, prior to your involvement, did she know this was happening? Did she approve of it? Well, we have uh, a case involving a man called William Coombs, who subsequently died uh, when he was about to give testimony about this. William says that on October 9th, 1964, he witnessed Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip take 10 children from the Catholic school in Kamloops, British Columbia, and these kids were never seen again. 
And uh, she was subpoenaed to appear before the tribunal I mentioned at Brussels in 2012, and sh she didn't respond. Uh, William was to give testimony. He's a native man from British Columbia. He, we had him uh, set to come over to London and give testimony. He died the week before that. He was ordered into the hospital, St. Paul's Catholic Hospital in Vancouver. And uh, Chloe Kirker, who was the operating room nurse who was with him, we had her on video describing how he had all the symptoms of arsenic poisoning, not tuberculosis, which was the official cause of death. They poisoned him while he was in the hospital, according to Chloe. And um, this is a common fate when you talk about the ongoing crime. Native people who speak out don't live long. We've had seven Native people in our network in Vancouver all die from foul play because they, they confronted these churches. They took part in occupations and conferences naming the people in these churches who did the crimes, and then they all die. So, um, you know, that, like the, the ongoing child trafficking of Native children on reservations now, uh, the grabbing up of a lot of lands and resources, especially in, in British Columbia by the Chinese cartels that are coming in. Um, all of this is ongoing genocide, you know, under the law. You're saying Chinese cartels. Uh, talk a little more about, uh, more about that. Well, it's the liquid natural gas industry. There's a lot of that resource, a lot of the water and hydroelectricity and, and the natural resources in Canada are being bought up in a big way by the Chinese. Uh, we, there's a super port the Chinese are building in a place called Prince Rupert, and a lot of the native families around there are going missing. And I know this for many years, we've documented the, the number of missing people in British Columbia. Um, and it's clearly where these people are going missing are exactly the areas where these liquid natural gas developments are happening, these pipelines. We also know for a fact that one of the Chinese generals who's involved in organ trafficking, you know, in Beijing, and, and you know, you probably know about the organ trafficking industry in China where thousands of people are murdered every year in their prisons, in these military-run prisons, and then their organs are trafficked. Well, one of these generals involved is on the same board of directors of this liquid natural gas company working very closely with the Canadian government to get these resources. As a matter of fact, the Trudeau government in Canada did two things. They allowed, they removed all limit on, on all restrictions on Chinese investment in Canada. And they even allow, under a thing called the Foreign Investment Protection Act, China can now station its own troops on Canadian soil to guard their investments. So it's, it's a definite invasion. I mean, that's treason right there, but... You know, that's the way it's going now. And, and so Trudeau is obviously being manipulated by powers uh, above him. Uh, I'm going to throw this out there. Uh, we, we can assume, making the assumption, the assumptions are never good, but let's assume that the Queen of England uh, knows this is happening. What about what about the, uh, the Bank of England? Have you found any ties to the Bank of England? Well, the Bank of England was, was involved for many centuries in Canada, what they call Rupert's Land. It's the whole half, western half of Canada, a huge area, was given to this Prince Rupert, who was the cousin of Charles II, the king. And um, he then, the Bank of England, heavily funded uh, the grabbing of all this land. Uh, and uh, they've been at the heart of the whole, this whole genocide from the beginning. So, I mean, the Crown of England, the Bank of England, all of it, just like in the slave trade and the East India Company where they were grabbing, uh, you know, land all over the world, they being at the center of this crime, uh, you know, just like they funded the opium trade in China. I mean, it was an amazing figure. At one point in the 1800s, the Bank of England was arranging to have about a third of all the money coming into the British Empire was, was coming from the opium trade. And... Um, 
you know, it's the same thing in Canada, the same, you know, just ripping off and enslaving people to grab the resources, and it's the banks who fund all that, so. And this is happening across, I mean, you're focused on British Columbia, but this is happening across from, uh, uh, from, from both, both coasts. Uh, very much. And, uh, yeah, very much. And, 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 and Kevin, uh, what about... Uh, what what about the, the the principle here? Is this is this religious? Is this religiously driven? Because because there are so many different uh, crimes. It sounds like that are being committed. Uh, is it religiously driven or is it financially driven? It's both, really. Uh, they work hand in glove. I mean, it's very really true that the early missionaries and settlers thought, you know, we have to save these people from themselves. That's an old European tradition going back to the beginning of of you know Christendom, but. Um, at the same time, like one of the things in my book people can read about, here's an example of what, what you mentioned, um, in murderbydecree.com, there was a case of an uh, Anglican missionary called John Sheepshanks, and in 1864, he went around and inoculated an entire Indian nation in central British Columbia, they're called the Chilcotin people, inoculated them with smallpox, within six months, 90% of the Chilcotins were dead. But their land had been preempted by John Sheepshanks and his fellow shareholders in the Hudson's Bay Company that bought up the land before, knowing all the Chilcotins were going to be killed by this missionary. And then sure enough, they inherit the land. So the Anglican church work handled of the missionaries would introduce disease all over the place, uh, smallpox, blankets, inoculations, that kind of thing. And there wouldn't be many Indians left after that. Uh, on average, 90% of the people in this area all were killed off within two generations from germ warfare. And is this, is this primarily a Catholic Vatican driven uh, thing or is this, uh, is this something different uh, because, because it encompasses various uh, churches? Well, the Catholic Church was the motive force, and their chief partner was the Church of England. Uh, there really wasn't a distinction in practice. But, um, you know, the other main criminal in this was the United Church, which was the church I used to be in before they defrocked me uh, as a minister. The United Church was set up actually by Canadian Parliament in 1925 as really a state church. Uh, with a lot of benefits, you know, the, the power to really to operate as a bank and, and a uh, uh, land conveyor. And, you know, the, the idea of the missionaries were there to grab the land and to wipe out a lot of the people, and then the settlers and the railroads and that would come in after. So it was a close operation between church, state, and big money from the very beginning. And, and have you chipped away at this? Uh, have you seen uh, a recession in the, uh, in the efforts? Uh, to do this to the native people, and and, and, and the other question there, uh, uh, Kevin. In 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 in, 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 in anyway, uh, victory. How, what are the what are the victories? And you've mentioned you know going to Brussels and some other. But have you found uh, have you found a recession in, in, in what they're doing? Um, the other thing is this is this crossing over. You're, you're, we're looking at uh, First Nation peoples, and for listeners out there, that's uh, basically what uh, Canadians refer to as uh, what Americans might refer to as Indians, uh, the First Nation peoples. Um, it, it, you've concentrated on those populations, but have you found cases where th these crimes are happening outside of that? Uh, it's a twofold question. I hope it's not too much for you. Right. Well, to start on the, the last question first, absolutely, yes. These crimes are not confined to just Native people. And one of the best examples of that, I can give you two examples, in terms of child trafficking, we find now there's a lot of child trafficking going on within government systems. And these are white kids, black kids, all sorts of children. Uh, you're 600 times more likely to be abused in a foster home 
uh, a lot of children go missing in the course of being put in foster homes, um, that we find there's private companies that operate, they get something like $10,000 for every child they grab out of a family and put in a foster home. So it's a big meat market, absolutely. Another thing is the, uh, the vaccine. You know, the, how back in the 80s, it was made impossible under American law to sue pharmaceutical companies for the vaccines, which is kind of admission of guilt right there, right? But um, uh, they've been using, in a big way, uh, children in all sorts of facilities for drug testing protocols. And that happens a lot, of course, among the Indians, but it's happening everywhere. It's almost like the Indians were, were the canary in the mine shaft. If we could do it to them, then, you know, anybody could be uh, affected by this stuff, and we're finding that happens. Um, as for the first question about has there been victories, absolutely. We, were, we forced an apology out of the Canadian government. The Canadian media now, for the first time, is beginning to talk about mass graves of children and dead children. And it's a slow process because a country that committed a crime is not going to admit it um, very easily. We've tried to get my material into school curriculums. A lot of teachers are interested, but then politically it gets shut down. Uh, my books are, you can see them all on Amazon under Kevin Anna. There's 16 books I've written about this. But try to find those in the Canadian bookstore in a university library, you won't, because it's really effectively banned. Um, so we've had to operate in a very kind of grassroots way. And I actually get a much better response in America, of course, um, than in Canada, because it's, it's a very closed culture up here. And, and they, they're really, they're, you know, like I said, if I was native, I probably would have been dead by now. But um, being a white man and a clergyman, I'm able to have a certain amount of protection. But there's been an enormous smear and misinformation campaign, of course, around everything we do, which is kind of standard ops, right? Right. And I suppose the Canadian government is, like you're, like you're saying, it's, it's more tied to the, the church and state, whereas uh, the Constitution of the United States uh, is, 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 is separates, separates us to at least... Uh, at least on, uh, from a layman's, so let's bring in the United States. Uh, you, you, let's let's stay in the conversation. Uh, what are some of the uh, the evidences that you have? And I'm sure it's happening in the United States. What what evidences uh, do you have, if any, uh, that this is happening in the United States? Well, I was actually involved in uh, uh, about uh, almost 10 years ago now, the, the first lawsuit brought against the Catholic Church for an Indian school in America, uh, out of Washington and South Dakota. Um, I was a consultant in that case. It was a big settlement, but of course, as always happens in these legal settlements, uh, the church gets protected and indemnified, so you can't sue anyone in the church except individual priests. Um, and they brought in laws uh, restricting the lawsuits to issues of financial compensation. So, in other words, you couldn't, it could be, it couldn't be a criminal lawsuit saying the church killed children and said, oh, well, they raped and, and beat them. And so, um, you know, you can get compensation for that. So, definitely the same pattern in America as in Canada, where the government works with the church to contain the crime, to put out a false story about it, to protect the perpetrators. As a matter of fact, um, I'll give you an example. It was called St. Joseph's School in Chamberlain, South Dakota. We had evidence there of mass graves. We even had an eyewitness saying they saw priests burying newborn babies under the floorboards. These would be babies, uh, the result of the Indian girls getting raped by priests. They would bury them, kill them. Um, and the FBI refused to investigate. They said, well, we'll have to go to the Catholic Church for their permission. Well, since when do you go to the serial killer to ask, can we dig under your house, right? <laughs> yeah. That's nuts. Um, okay, so it's happening. Uh, let's assume it's, it's, it is driven 
by the Vatican. This is this must be happening worldwide. Yes, absolutely it is, and uh, it, the, that's one of the reasons we set up in 2010. We set up the International Tribunal of Crimes of Church and State in Dublin, Ireland, because I've been working with the Irish a lot. Uh, the same kinds of crimes over there in the Catholic Church. It's same death rate, mass graves. Uh, when I was there, there was this story that hit the press in Ireland. There was a place called Chum on the west coast. It's spelled T-U-A-M pronounced Chum and Gaelic. They found a sister in there with the skeletons of 800 babies. And they were missing heads, they were missing arms. It looked like some kind of ritual sacrificial killing according to the police. But all that was censored out of the press. Um, the, the church and the government moved in and contained it, put out their own story about it. But these kinds of crimes happen all over the world. Um, and one of the things we found out over the last few years was that there's an actual cult operating in the Catholic Church called the Ninth Circle. It goes back several hundred years, and it's a child sacrificial cult. Um, and they're being taught cardinals, popes, named by eyewitnesses as being at these cult rituals. And you can see that all at murderbydecree.com, some of the eyewitnesses who are part of this cult coming forward. So, um, you know, that also involves the present pope, Pagolio, uh, Pope Francis. He got his... Uh, uh, he was very close friends with the military junta in Argentina during the dirty wars there in the 1970s when they were killing tens of thousands of people. And he was friends with the military junta. He went from being a lonely priest to the head of the whole Jesuit order in 10 years because he was a front man for the military. And um, that included trafficking children of political prisoners uh, like they did under the Franco dictatorship in Spain. The Catholic Church has made billions out of that kind of operation. So. All of this stuff is surfacing now, and um, it, it's, it, it's, you know, you can change the figurehead, but this, the system is still there in place, the same attitudes and, and crime. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's, it's the system. So, um, so let's, let's get into that. How has the reception? It sounds like it's been a tough road with the U.N. Have you, have you had any victories with the U.N.? I mean, how do you get this to change? Well, it's, it's always from the grassroots, and we have allies everywhere. Like when I was going through this struggle in Canada, I lost my family. The church uh, went to my ex-wife and made sure she got my kids in the divorce action. Blacklisted the whole bit, but there are people in the system who are always coming forward to give information. And we found the same in Europe, that, um, that as we put, during the first court trial we did in 2012 and 13, that forced Ratzinger out of... Uh, Benedict to step down. Um, we had lawyers, there was one judge in Spain called um, uh, Balthazar Garzon, and he was, he had started a whole movement to expose the mass graves uh, all over Spain, and literally in the backyards of Catholic churches, there's mass graves of children, and he had tried to um, bring that out, but once again, uh, the governments work very closely to protect the church, and you find that at the level of the UN as well. Um, like the Vatican should not have diplomatic status. They're not a country, even though they're treated like one. Um, but they were invited into the UN without even a vote in 1966 by a youth found who is the Secretary General. They've got all these privileges, and they're not a country. And yet, you know, so at the official level, you can't get results. But among individuals and by creating the stink publicly on this stuff, we found that you, you certainly can make headway. Uh, giving a, an example of another victory, we, um, uh, right after our, our common law court trial 
in Brussels, we presented to Interpol a lot of this information, and as a result of it, about a year later, they made over a thousand arrests. They followed some of our leads, and they found a facility in um, in Brussels where they, were, they released 30 children from cages. They were being transported in from um, other parts of Europe, and they were, uh, you know, literally being sold to the highest bidder. And the Mormon Church, the Catholic Church, all these major churches operate in this way of a child trafficking network. And um, so that is directly the result of us working with these police agencies. What we find is a lot of good-hearted policemen, uh, but they're controlled politically. They're not allowed to go very far in, in digging this stuff up because it's implicating powerful people, politicians, heads of state, popes, right? Yeah, I mean, this sounds like a, uh, unfortunately, uh, Kevin, this sounds like a, 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 a not, nothing against Stephen King, because I think he's an incredible writer, but this sounds like a Stephen King uh, novel. It's, 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 yeah. it's like he can't make this stuff up. Um, no. And, and these people are going after, they're going after youth. They're, it's not... Or are they going yeah. after middle-aged adults? Uh, it, it, it sounds like they're going after um, a, a, an adolescent to youth uh, age range. Oh yeah, no. Uh, going after you mean um, well, there, those the people? Oh yes. Oh, it it, it isn't just children. Um, well, for example, there was a, in the, one of the people I work with in the Netherlands. Her name is. Um, Anne-Marie van Bienberg. She was a former member of this Ninth Circle cult, and she said that the Queen of the Netherlands uh, works, uh, gets, works with this, the, the mafia, basically, in Europe, who provide a lot of, uh, they're involved in human trafficking in a big way. And the Queen of the Netherlands provided children from um, youth detention centers. These are teenagers, and they were used in human hunting parties. Uh, you know, this... Yeah, they, they're stripped naked and made to run through the woods and they're hunted by very powerful, rich people with guns. And uh, according to Anne-Marie, who took part in it, she was blackmailed. They, she was told something else was going on. They trapped her there and, and blackmailed her uh, for her participation because she had access to the legal system in, in uh, the Netherlands. And uh, she said these kids were running naked through the woods and they were killed, and then the boys' penises were cut off as trophies. Um, this all came out later in the Netherlands uh, media, but uh, you know the highest level of power and complicit in that, the Attorney General, the top lawyers in, in the Netherlands, are all named as people involved in this network. So you know, right? To crack that. What about a country? If you look globally, because because this, the Vatican Church, like you're saying, it's just it's just so powerful. Uh, the the British, uh, which I which I think is still an empire. That's my interpretation. Uh, is yeah. very powerful. Um, you're taking on countries and heads of states. Uh, where do you feel you have the most support? Well, to tell you the truth, the most grassroots support on the ground I've, we, we've got is in America. Um, because it, not only is your, your constitution separating church and state, uh, but the attitude of people tend to be, they're not as intimidated by authority. Like, uh, in Canada, I'm seen as a traitor because I took on the government and the churches, right? And people don't want it. But, um, you know, it's a whole British thing. You've got to obey authority. Whereas in American, too, we tend to say, well, 
I'll obey that law if I agree with it, or if it's not, you know, going to screw me around. There's more independent thinking, more willingness to take on authority than in America, in America than in other countries. And the idea of a common law is popular too. It's it's something that your country was based on. A revolution that said people can govern themselves, right? They set up the government. It's not the other way around. And um, and so that idea that we're sovereign people who can take action when the courts and the government are doing that, that's a much more popular idea in the States. So we go further in what we're able to achieve in America than most other places. Um, most people in the world haven't even heard of the common law or the idea that people can govern themselves, right? Right. And, and, and so what is the next step forward uh, for you, Kevin? This is a, an incredible undertaking that you've been at now for over two decades, only going on almost three decades now, it sounds like. Uh, you are, uh, you, you sound like you've got a lot of momentum behind you. You've got a lot of people uh, that, you're, that, you're, that you're informing. You've got people supporting you. Of course, uh, of course I'm uh, U.S.-based. Uh, we're a Florida-based program. And, uh, and this is exactly what uh, me and my listeners like to get behind. This atrocious, these types of atrocious uh, wrongdoings uh, and crimes is, is what uh, we seek out to completely, well, to try to destroy. Because I, like, you, like you say, uh, if, 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 it, if, if there is no power uh, for the people, then, 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 then we, you know, I mean, we're, 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 we're manipulated and completely overrun, uh, if that made any sense. But, uh, but so, Kevin, uh, given the gravity of, uh, of, uh, of what you're taking on and you continue at this fight, this is just appalling. It's just that completely, it's disgusting, yeah. really, is what it is, uh, that it, yeah. this is actually happening. What is the next step? What is the next, uh, what is the next uh, block that you, can, that you can take out here? What's the next big thing that you can accomplish here? Well, I can tell you one one new thing we've started about five years ago in Canada. There was a, actually a convention to um, establish a republic in Canada because part of the big problem here is under crown law, there's one person who runs the country, the governor general who's the queen's appointee. And the governor general can remove the government tomorrow. It's a whole colonial system still in place. Well, 58% of Canadians want a republic. They don't want to even have any more ties. With, with the monarchy in England. And um, we won our own 1776, right? So in, um, we tried that in 1837 and got defeated. But um, actually my great-great-great-grandfather Philip took part in that, which is, I guess it runs in the family or something. But, um, but anyway, uh, there was a convention in Winnipeg and this Republican Party of Canada was set up. And uh, it's campaigning for a republic because we've got to get rid of this whole kind of colonial system that caused the genocide and is able to, you know, mask and get these, get away with these crimes. Uh, there's that whole development. But then there's, um, you know, really just continuing the work to let people see that this is a threat to children everywhere and to our liberties and our families. When this kind of regime can operate, they can kill all these kids and get away with it because not one person's ever gone to trial in Canada for the death of over 80,000 children in these Indian schools, right? And uh, that's a threat to everybody when that can happen. So we're just continuing the campaign and trying to get, um, like if you go to that website, murderbydecree.com, there's a way people can donate. Um, I spend most of my time on the road doing workshops, training workshops in the common law, working with people. Um, There's a big campaign among Catholics to cut off ties with Rome, stop funding this big machine. 
um, taking back their own churches. I've got that, uh, you know, there's all of these things happening. And so if folks want to get a hold of me, uh, the common land at gmail.com, and I'd be happy to come to your community. These are things that happen, you know, everywhere, and it can happen to any one of us, really. And it can happen to any one of our kids. Uh, yep. Kevin, I appreciate you taking your time to uh, to join the program. Uh, the the book mm-hmm. is available. Uh, is it is it for purchase, or you have it at a free free PDF format, free download uh, at murder by uh, murder by decree? Uh, is it, 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 it you can donate at uh, Kevin's uh, website? Uh, Kevin, some last mm-hmm. words, uh, some final thoughts here for for listeners as we as we close out the session. Well, just you know that this movement is is depend on, on everybody. And uh, I think in America especially, people can appreciate that, um, you know, that unless we're vigilant about our liberties, they get grabbed away in the middle of the night. And it's a constant battle to retain those. So I would say, yes, uh, please contact us and take responsibility in your own community for this. You have the right to arrest people who you know are harming children. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. Just do it. And like I say, contact me. Um, the common land at gmail.com. On Amazon, you can see all my books under Kevin Annett, A-N-N-E-T-T. And murderbydecree.com is the main site. Um, and it, it's, it's the best way to just educate yourself more about this and, uh, and stay in touch with me. And I'll be happy to come and work with anybody who needs that help. Excellent. Kevin, thanks for your time. Very noble uh, what you're doing. I appreciate you joining Discussion of Truth. Thank you. Thank you, Ian. Okay. Kevin Annette, ladies and gentlemen. Does that just boggle your mind? Again, I'll use the word naive. Perhaps I am simply naive. Uh, But the fact that this stuff uh, is happening in our communities globally... Look, I know that the world is infested with problems. Uh, We try to take no sides politically on discussions of truth uh, in the U.S. Democrat, Republican... Uh, from every angle I've looked at it, both parties are completely corrupt and disgusting and, uh, and like, you know, I, 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 I like to quote, um, well, I, I like to quote um, Paul Craig Roberts, uh, who's a former lead economist in the Reagan administration. Uh, see, there's a great intertwining between uh, law and um, an economy, uh, of course, and so uh, you know, for for a, a, a former Stanford Hoover fellow, um, uh, Paul Craig Roberts, um, to say, uh, which he did a couple of years ago on this program, that Americans are simply walk blindly. That was not his quote, but that's essentially what he said. He says they simply essentially have no more constitutional rights. So um, you know, for 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 Kevin to say that. Canadians, 58% of Canadians want a republic. That is what, that is what the United States has. But that's on the very forefront. That's at least what it appears. So digging down deep, is that simply a facade? And that's where the, that's where the debate really lies. That is what the understanding and interpretation or definition, if there is one, of the deep state. That's where that lies. Because yes, 
It's a republic. And it is, yes, the ability for a man, a la Martin Luther King, to represent himself and his neighbor and his fellow man. That's what separates the system that the United States enjoys and has enjoyed now for over 200 years. But in regards to what Paul Craig Roberts has said on the program, that is, that is simply a, that is a facade. So Americans don't have constitutional rights. They, don't have, they, they, they simply don't have that. Now, uh, getting to my next quote, which I, which I, which I wanted to mention, uh, Ray McGovern, and you can find this when you visit Ian Trachet, Com. You visit just on, 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 the, on, the, on the front page there. Uh, I've quoted Ray. And Ray on this program said, Ian, we no longer have any real sense of free media. And so this, is, this gets back to understanding why Kevin's movement now, almost three decades now, 25 years he says that he's been at this, to get this into mainstream, and he's taking on heads of state. Uh, but it simply gets squashed. That same thing is happening in the United States. All on my opening, one of my opening comments regarding Daniel Esterlin. He sold millions of copies of his books regarding the Bilderberg meetings and, and what he's discovered about global financing. He sold millions of copies of his books, yet he's worldwide, yet he's banned in England. He's completely banned. This is Daniel Esterlin. He's a, another Nobel uh, Prize nominee, Nobel Peace Prize nominee. He's, he's banned in England. And no major publisher in the United States will pick him up. Trine Day has picked him up, and you can purchase this book through Trine Day. Okay, that just happens also happens to be the publisher of Freedom Reserve No More Lies, which can be brought to you in April 2020. The point of the matter is this. Heads of state are puppeted. Okay, there is a reason why independent thinking and independent does the name Benjamin Franklin come to mind? It certainly just came to my mind. But there is a reason why independent thinking, Plato, Socrates, there's, an there's a reason why independent thinking seems to surface throughout various civilizations, throughout various uh, regimes, throughout various uh, 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 times, uh, generations. Because it is, unfortunately, it is the overall theme, if you will, of man to control masses, right? Isn't that to manipulate? Think about J.D. Rockefeller saying, and this is a quote, it is a crime, it is a competition, is a sin. That's exactly what he said. Okay, that is as a quote from from him. Competition is a sin. Yet, 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 that's exactly what's happened to the state of media. And, and at stopmassmedia.com, you'll find that graph there. So that just shows exactly how the American media empire has become tainted and corrupt. That today, something like six corporations, twenty twenty six corporations, run all of, what, what, of the main mainstream media that that Americans. Uh, receive via radio and via um, and TV. That that if you go back 40 years ago, that was about 80 different companies. Now it's six, and there's a CEO and there's a head of each of those different companies. So basically, six different people are controlling the information that you receive. So if this resonates with you, 
You need to share with a friend. You need to pass this information on. What Kevin has been researching and uncovering now for three decades boggles my mind that this stuff is actually happening. And but but as it rises into mainstream, it gets squashed that it doesn't happen. And I suppose that's 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 why I am appalled because uh, because it has not uh, it's not something that 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 that, that crosses uh, crosses my uh, uh, my eyes and ears on, on a daily basis or on a regular basis. Okay, we will be closing out this show. Okay, waiting for confirmation. Um, waiting for confirmation, and confirmation is in. We'll be hosting, this will be a doubleheader, we'll be hosting Russ Baker uh, uh, the second hour. So we'll be closing out uh, Discuss the Truth, Kevin Annette, uh, coming back on momentarily with a doubleheader, Russ Baker. He'll be talking about the Bush family. Incredibly deep discussion there with, with Kevin Annette. All right, coming back your way in a few moments, closing out. This has been another discussion to truth. And again, pay, become a patron of the program. Donate to Winwood Radio. Donate uh, donate to StopMassMedia.com. Donate to the uh, Pre-order the book. Uh, you can get it right now on Barnes & Noble uh, online. Uh, and until next episode, folks, be awesome.